The Rangers lose 3-1 at home to the Boston Bruins, and the Ranger power play is still a disaster. One for their last 26, to be exact. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 754 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And as I just mentioned, the Rangers coming out on the wrong end of a 3-1 to decision in Madison Square Garden. Bruins are obviously an excellent team, and uh, I think they showed that tonight as they did earlier this season against the Rangers. I think it's a situation here where if you're going to beat this team, the Bruins, I mean, once again, their, their record pretty much speaks for itself. But if you're going to beat this team, you have to play pretty much flawless hockey. You could play borderline flawless hockey against the Bruins right now and still not beat them. And the Rangers just were not good enough in this game here tonight. It wasn't a complete disaster. I thought there was a mostly honest effort, but just a few too many lapses, a few too many mistakes. And at times, an unwillingness to shoot the puck by the Rangers as well. And I realized, you know, uh, Swayman was fantastic for the Bruins, pretty much stood on his head. Uh, maybe if he wasn't at the level that he was at in this game, could have been a different story. Maybe the Rangers would have uh, gotten a couple of early goals because they had some chances. Uh, but again, just not good enough right now. You, you have to be at an elite level at the absolute top of your game if you are going to pick up two points against the Boston Bruins. But lot to do here today, guys. I uh, want to go ahead and uh, talk about some of the things that we discussed in our most recent episode, namely the keys to the game. Uh, we're going to look back and see if the Rangers accomplished any of those and, and to what extent they accomplished these goals. Also going to talk a little bit about um, you know, the, the perfection line and how the Rangers did against them. want to talk about a couple of lineup decisions, uh, a Gerard Gallant move that I did not agree with. And you guys know I mostly back Gerard Gallant, but uh, there was a one decision he made here, and a couple of you guys pointed this out on social media as well, that uh, I did shake my head a little bit. I will be honest there. Going to talk about an absolutely brutal start to the third period for the Rangers and uh, a stat that will absolutely blow your mind. We're going to save that for the end. It actually happened toward the end of the game. It's not even really an official stat or one that you would find in the box score, but it's something that I kept track of uh, as the game was going. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that in due time here. Uh, but first, yeah, like I said, wanted to kind of uh, go back to the most recent episode. We previewed this game between the Rangers and the Bruins. Talk a little bit about uh, the keys to the game. And once again, if the Rangers were able to uh, you know, accomplish any of these things and uh, to what extent. So for starters, uh, I said coming into this game, Ranger power play had really been struggling, obviously. And I said that they got to break through and score at least one goal in this game. And I realized Bruins have an elite, fantastic penalty kill unit. But, you know, I don't want to hear too much about that because the Rangers are supposed to have an elite, fantastic power play unit, and it has been anything but, uh, especially in recent times. They go 0 for 3 on the man advantage in this game. Now, once again, 1 for their last 26, and uh, said they, they were going to need one power play goal in this game to knock off uh, this excellent Bruins team. They did not get it. And I want to go ahead and uh, highlight the first two power plays that the Rangers got in this game. There was one uh, at the end of the first period that carried over into the second period. And there was one in the second period that carried over into the third period. So we'll start with the first one. Uh, you had Heedle taken down in the neutral zone with about 47 seconds left to go in the opening period. Rangers go to the power play. Uh, the Bruins get the puck into the Rangers zone. Good poke check by Trocek, and it sets up the Rangers on a rush out of the zone. Uh, Mika passing to his left to Panarin. Panarin 
Fantastic pass right on the tape to Kreider in front of the net. Deflection attempt. And, you know, Kreider has not had as much success on some of these tip-in tries and these redirections this season as he had last season. But in this case, I can't fault Kreider at all. This is a fantastic save by Jeremy Swayman, who uh, I thought was fantastic on this night and uh, really the difference maker, or at least the biggest difference maker in the game. Do the Bruins still win this game if they get a good but not fantastic goalie performance? Very possible, but uh, Swayman pretty much left no doubt. The way he played in this one, combined with the fact that he's just got a heck of a team around him, uh, you put all that together, and the Bruins are probably going to win here. Um, but that was really the only good chance that the Rangers had on this power play, which is kind of ironic because um, they had only 47 seconds of power play time at the end of the first period. They had a minute and 13 to start the second period, and they did absolutely nothing with the latter portion uh, of that power play. So that was disappointing. Chance to maybe get back into the game there. Uh, you know, early in the second period or late in the first period. And like I said, you know, that initial uh, scoring opportunity that I just mentioned, you know, Mika to Panarin to Kreider, Kreider had a chance at the tip-in, and that was with less than 10 seconds left. That would have been huge right there, but uh, again, just a better save by Swayman. But as for the Rangers' uh, second power play opportunity in this game, like I just mentioned, this one started at the uh, end of the second period, carried over for just 18 seconds into the third period. But you get to delay a game on Clifton. Uh, Rangers go to the power play. Panarin carries the puck over the blue line, passes back to Fox. Uh, Fox takes a shot that is blocked and cleared. And then uh, you have a situation where uh, Mika Zibanejad was not able to handle a, a pretty simple pass and one that you would certainly expect him to be able to handle. And the puck is cleared uh, back into the zone, back out of the zone. You know, the Rangers couldn't get anything set up, couldn't really uh, create any scoring chances on this one at all. They put the second power play unit on the ice here at the end of the second period with just 10 seconds remaining in the second period and with the puck behind the Ranger net. I mean, at that point... Why even bother? You know, you might as well just let the first unit, uh, you know, close out the period there and see what you can do. I mean, it's not that big of a deal either way, but and what are you supposed to do with 10 seconds when the puck is in your zone? I guess you never know. Get a strong rush up, up the ice or something like that. But yeah, that was a kind of a bizarre time to change units there. And the biggest thing here, you know, all the power play struggles for the Rangers, and I've talked about this in recent episodes. I hate to be repetitive, but if this continues to be a problem, we will continue to talk about it. The Rangers are making it too easy on opposing goaltenders. There's all this east and west passing. And look, I know the Bruins have a great penalty kill unit. The Rangers were always going to be facing an uphill battle here. Bruins are number one in the league. But I swear, man, we're, we're at the point where, like, I think opposing goalies could probably, like, drink a beer in the crease while the Rangers are on the power play and just casually make saves. There's no traffic in front of the net. There's way too much passing. There's no uh, dirty goals or anything even resembling, you know, a chance at a dirty goal. You'd like to at least get a couple of opportunities. Like I said, the only uh, time where it really looked like the Rangers were going to score on the power play here was that Kreider tip-in try at the end of the first period. And I hate to go to the black, excuse me, the bag of cliches here, but stop trying to pass the puck into the net. You know, just create a little bit more havoc. Simplify things a little bit. You don't have to make 13 passes on a power play before you take a shot. You know, just make one pass and shoot it. Go for a redirection. Go for a lucky bounce. Or maybe you just snipe the corner and, and you know, you, you score that way too. But, uh, yeah, just just too, too easy for opposing goalies that are playing the New York Rangers right now. And that should not be the case. We should not be saying that it's too easy for opposing goalies who are going up against the Rangers power play unit, which should be elite. And right now, once again, it is anything but. Another, um, you know, key to this game that I talked about in our most recent episode, 
keeping the perfection line in check. And I realize, you know, those three aren't together right now. And uh, I, I believe it's uh, Pasternak who's not on the top line right now. I, we talked about that in our most recent episode. But um, I, I would say overall, the Rangers mostly held that trio in check in this game. You know, on one hand, Bergeron scored a goal. Uh, Marchand had two assists. Pasternak had zero points. So they end up with three points combined. Uh, but there was never really a time in this game where I felt like that trio was, you know, really taking over, really imposing their will, just creating all kinds of havoc or anything like that. You know, they had a uh, five-on-three power play opportunity and a long one, too. I mean, about a minute and 45 seconds or so, and they were all on the ice for a good chunk of that, and the Rangers held them off. Uh, some good saves by Eeyore, some great penalty killing. Uh, Mika Zibanejad was fat, fantastic on that five-on-three um, you know, Lindgren was out there. He was doing his thing. Truba was out there. Miller was out there for part of it. Barkley Goodrow was out there for part of it. So overall, you know, I, once again, I, I think the Rangers mostly did a good job uh, against that unit. Those three players for the Bruins had anywhere between, uh, as far as power play time on the ice, they had anywhere between 329 and 351. So they had chances, um, but the Rangers, you know, mostly held them in check, like I said. So uh, that was obviously fantastic to see. And it's one of those things, you know, the Rangers, if they end up meeting the Bruins in the playoffs at some point this season, and we'll see, I mean, they're in different divisions. Um, maybe if the Rangers were a wild card, they could play the Bruins early or Hey, maybe that's the Eastern conference uh, final this year. You, you never know for sure. Um, but if the Rangers do end up playing the Bruins, that is going to be huge. They are going to have to make sure that that trio does not take over games. And thus far, despite the fact that the Rangers have lost twice to the Bruins now, um, that has indeed been the case. They, they've held those guys in check. And uh, again, that is going to be absolutely enormous uh, if there is a playoff series between these two teams. Uh, another thing, as far as keys to the game that I mentioned, was to be ready for some chippiness. Now, honestly, there wasn't a whole lot of nastiness and chippiness, certainly not as much as you would expect from a Ranger-Bruin game. Uh, really, the only um, you know incident, incidents that I can remember, uh, Trocek, you know, he was in front of the Bruins' net during a play stoppage, and he was mixing it up with a couple of guys. Uh, he later came together with uh, uh, one of the defense in Lindholm, and, uh, you know, they, they were getting each other's face a little bit. Besides that, there wasn't a whole lot of it. And honestly, I, I think the Rangers, maybe they should have brought a little bit more of that to the table, a little bit more fire, a little bit more intensity, a little bit more nastiness. That's not to say the Rangers were completely sleepwalking through this game because I don't think that was the case. They got a lot of scoring chances. Uh, Swayman, like I said, he was just on top of his game uh, in this matchup here. But... Yeah, I mean, I don't know, and I'm not advocating to, you know, just attack somebody or anything like that, but, you know, a little pushing and shoving after a play, that never hurt anybody. I think maybe the Rangers should have uh, been a little bit more uh, willing to, to mix it up. So, um, you know, I, I suppose they were ready for chippiness, but the chippiness never really uh, came to fruition in this game, uh, much to my surprise and uh, probably to the surprise of a lot of you as well. And uh, something that I mentioned is uh, also, as far as a key to this game, I wanted Madison Square Garden to have like a playoff feel to it in this game. And I, I thought early, you know, it definitely had a big game feel to it. I, I thought the Garden was rocking. They knew what the Rangers were up against. They were trying to get them going. The second goal of the game by the Bruins kind of took them out of it a little bit. Then, of course, they make it 3 nothing. When Ben Harper scored, though, um, you know, in the third period with about four minutes and change to go in the game, uh, I thought everybody kind of came to life again, and uh, they were rocking down the stretch, uh, was the uh, Madison Square Garden faithful. So, yeah, overall, like I said, the Rangers just didn't do enough of the things that they needed to do um, to end up winning this game. And uh, you see the results, a 3-1 home loss to the Boston Bruins. But we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second, talk about a couple of uh, lineup 
decisions, some in-game decisions, a brutal start to the third period, a mind-blowing stat, and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. We will do all that in just a second. But first, gotta let everybody know, today's episode of Lockdown New York Rangers is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you gotta try a Bilt Bar. What makes Bilt Bars so good? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably delicious flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bilt does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hip flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank us later. All right, we just want to go ahead and thank you guys, as always, for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So I wanted to talk a little bit about a couple of the uh, Ranger lineup decisions, a couple of you know minor surprises going into this game, but uh, nothing too crazy. First and foremost, Chris Kreider back in the lineup for the Rangers. He missed three games, and I, I thought the Rangers missed him pretty terribly while he was out. Um, as, as far as this game, he didn't really have a standout game. He had the one scoring opportunity that you know I already mentioned, um, and you know there was an incident where. He took a terrible offensive zone penalty. You know, the Rangers lost the faceoff. And look, I I get that you're trying to get the puck and you're trying to make things happen. And I'm sure Kreider's all fired up and ready to go uh, for this game, having missed a handful of games. But to take a holding penalty in the offensive zone just because you don't win the faceoff, that's not a good way to go. We saw Lafreniere do that not too long ago. And the Rangers, just kind of in general recently, taking some indisciplined penalties. Uh, We don't want to go back to that. Uh, Even in this game, you know, Lafreniere took another penalty that was not necessary. Uh, I thought Truba was either a hook or a trip in the neutral zone. He didn't really need to do that either. So the Rangers need to get away from that, you know. And, and obviously they've overall played well recently, but we don't need uh, to go back to you know two years ago, three years ago when bad, unnecessary, undisciplined penalties were basically a way of life for the New York Rangers and just trying to overcome that on a nearly constant basis. We certainly do not want to go back to that, and I don't think we will, but it's one of those things that the Rangers need to nip it in the bud uh, before it you know, becomes a problem here. Uh, second line, left to right, Panarin, Trocek, and Kravtsov. Uh, that's at least how they started the game. More on that in a second. Uh, third line, Lafreniere, Hedl, and Goodrow. I thought that line looked good at times, you know, especially early in this game. Um, but again, you know, the Rangers, uh, you know, a couple of opportunities here and there. They just could not sol- solve the goalie. And then the fourth line, left to right, VZ, Lecision, Brodzinski, Sammy Blay was the odd man out. Coming into this game, I-, I thought that maybe they would just take Lecision out of the lineup because he's kind of the new guy. Um, I was actually happy to see him back in there. And he came pretty close to scoring uh, his first goal as a Ranger. Uh, there was a situation where Johnny Brodzinski gained the blue line, went up the left side, showed impressive speed here. I, I think Brodzinski has somewhat underrated speed. You know, he, he shows some bursts from time to time. Uh, but, you know, good speed, got the defenseman to turn around. 
um, made a centering pass to his right for LeCision, and LeCision went for the tipping goal. That was also turned aside by Swayman again. He, he was on top of his game, and I, I think you certainly have to tip your cap at least a little bit. Um, Would have been nice to see the Rangers get a couple of pucks by him, but uh, once again, uh, he had his A game. And if we're going to talk about the Ranger lineup, then we also have to talk about uh, the seemingly inevitable in-game lineup changes. And it, they didn't go nuts with it in this game here tonight. The only change that I noticed is that Jimmy Vesey moved from fourth line left wing to second line right wing, and Kravtsov did the opposite. You basically had Vesey and Kravtsov uh, switching positions, switching spots in the lineup. You know, I get it to an extent. Vesey's kind of that guy that's moving all up and down the lineup, or I mean, honestly, you, you could say that about five or six different Rangers at this point. Uh, but Vesey's certainly somebody who's done that quite a bit this season. And, you know, I, I guess he wants, you know, VZ up there for, for a little bit more grit on that line with Panarin and Trocek, I suppose. A little bit more uh, defense as well. But the Rangers were trailing when they made this move. So, you know, to go with the better defensive combination, I get it to an extent, but you're trying to come back. You're trying to win. And um, I thought Krasov looked okay in this game. He had one really good scoring chance. Uh, Trocek passed to Krasov. Krasov wound back. One-timer was once again stopped by Swayman. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's not a line change that I think means that the sky is falling or anything like that. It's just one that felt a little bit unnecessary, and it doesn't feel like Kravtsov can get through an entire game on that second line. And again, if the Rangers are up by one goal late in the game and they're trying to protect that lead, that's when I can at least understand um, you know, the decision to you know, move Krasov off of the second line and go with a Jimmy Vesey or go with a Barclay Goodrow, one of these guys that's known as being, you know, a strong defensive forward. In that situation, I understand it. And honestly, I'm kind of for it. But when the Rangers are trailing, if you're going to take Krasov off of that line, then I don't really see the point in even starting him there. You know, they need goals, they need offense. And if you don't believe that Krasov can do that, I mean, he's not a defensive specialist. So why is he even there in the first place? I think that's a fair question to ask. I'd like to see Krasov... You know, you, you can argue that maybe Krasov shouldn't even be in the top six, and I'm sure there's certain people that would argue that. But if he's going to be there and you're trailing in the game, then just let him finish a game. Let him finish one game uh, on the Panarin line uh, also with Trocek. We'll see if the Rangers uh, do that at all moving forward. We shall see. Uh, another move that uh, a couple of you guys pointed out on, on Twitter from what I could see, second period, Rangers down 2 to nothing. About four minutes, about 4.30 to go in the second period, give or take. And uh, there's an icing against the Bruins. And the Bruins, all of their skaters have been on the ice for an extended period of time. You know, they, they were kind of gassed. And for some reason, the Ranger fourth line takes the ensuing faceoff. Even if it wasn't an icing and it wasn't a situation where all the Bruins players were gassed, it's still kind of questionable given the score of the game and the situation that you're in. You've got a goalie that nobody can solve. You're being shut out. You're down by two goals. You'd love to get a goal here at the end of the second period. Maybe going to the locker room down two to one instead of two to nothing, feeling pretty good. Okay, we win a period and you know we give ourselves a chance here, uh, that being the third period. But they didn't do that. They went with the, the fourth line. And I don't know, man, if I'm one of those Boston skaters and I'm hunched over and I'm gassed and I can barely catch my breath and there was just an icing and I know I have to stay on the ice, uh, I'd rather see Johnny Brodzinski coming onto the ice than Artemi Panarin. That's just me. Maybe, maybe other guys feel differently. Um, but I would imagine most, most Bruins players would agree with me uh, in a situation like that. So that was kind of a weird you know, move there to, to go with the fourth line in that situation. And look, I realized, hey, it's hockey. Everybody plays. Everybody's got to be on the ice for a certain amount of time in every game. 
uh, guys that are dressed, they all play. Um, and maybe the plan was that the fourth line was going to go out there, but I think you have to adjust that plan for a situation like this. Again, they took an icing, they were out of breath, and you kind of give them a reprieve by going with the fourth line instead of guys who uh, you feel confident can go out there, take advantage of a tired team, and potentially put the puck in the nest. So they didn't do that, um, and, and the fourth line was not able to do anything uh, with that opportunity either. The fourth line did fine in this game. There, there's nothing against them. It's just that you should go with you know bigger scoring threats then Lecision and Brodzinski, and I think VZ was either VZ or Krasov. I don't remember if that was before or after they did the switch, but you get the idea. I think you should have gone with one of the top two lines uh, in that spot there. But uh, we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second. I want to talk a little bit about uh, just a brutal start to the third period for the Rangers that I don't want to say completely ended their chance of getting a win, but certainly did some serious damage to it. It was one of those things where after the first few minutes of the third period, it was just kind of like, yeah, this this is not going to be our night, is it? Just kind of had that feeling to it. Also want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the Rangers, you know, at least not going down without a fight in the past couple of minutes. And uh, a feel-good moment with Ben Harper scoring his first goal in uh, several years now. So uh, we will get to all that good stuff in just a second. Okay, so third period. Rangers have 18 seconds of power play time remaining from a penalty that the Bruins took toward the end of the second period, which, I mean, look, I'm not saying the Rangers, uh, you know, did something terrible by not scoring on a power play uh, that only had 18 seconds left in it here, but the power play ended, and you immediately get a two-on-one for the Bruins, and you've got Marshan passing to Clifton, who was just out of the penalty box. He scores, makes it 3 nothing. And Kreider had a rough start to this period here. Uh, an errant pass when the power play was still going from left to right. And also, uh, there was a situation right after this. Tail end of the power play. I mean, just a couple of seconds left. He goes over the blue line, but he's like right next to Mika Zibanejad. And it almost seemed like they were in each other's way. He tried to force a pass. It got stolen. Went the other way. Bruins on the rush. And uh, they convert that opportunity right after the Ranger power play expired. So, uh about as rough of a start as you could have to the third period, but then it got worse. Uh, Truba took his aforementioned uh, tripping penalty here. At this point, we're only 48 seconds into the third period, mind you. Uh, there were turnovers just left and right for pretty much this entire period, but especially the first couple of minutes here. And then another penalty on the Rangers right after that. The Rangers were able to kill off the penalty against Truba. Not too long after that one ended, though, you get Lafreniere taking a hooking penalty uh, that he did not have to take either. A lot of unnecessary penalties by the Rangers in this game. And again, great that they killed them all off, but you're shooting yourself in the foot. You know, even if you kill them off, you're still giving them opportunities and you're still derailing, uh, you know, your own momentum because you're back on your heels killing penalties instead of, you know, attacking and doing everything you can to work your way back into this game. So the Rangers kill it off, but again, it doesn't change the fact that uh, they're taking some bad penalties uh, in the last handful of games here. But that was unfortunate, obviously, and then uh, that power play for the Bruins actually ended when Kreider drew a penalty against Bergeron in the neutral zone for holding. They skated 4-on-4 four four for a short time, um, but nothing really came of that for the Rangers. Uh, I do want to shift our attention to you know, a couple of positives here. The end of the third period, I, I like the fact that the Rangers kept fighting, even though they were down 3 nothing, and uh, even though it had to be a frustrating night, not able to get the puck uh, past the goalie. But uh, Ben Harper scores his first goal as a New York Ranger. You got Alexi Lafreniere winning a board battle. Uh, he kind of just bounced off of his guy. Uh, he was about to be pinned to the boards, got away from him, circled back, and uh, passed across the ice to Harper. 
And it was funny because Braden Schneider was there too, and he almost had to like hurdle the puck. He, you know, he jumped over it because I think he realized that the pass was going over to Ben Harper. And then you get Harper taking a shot from the blue line. Uh, Heedle was in front of the net, but he didn't touch it. Went through uh, Swayman clean, went in, and that was Ben Harper's first goal since December 1st, 2018 with the Ottawa Senators against the San Jose Sharks. So a big congratulations to Ben Harper, uh, somebody who's come in here and, you know, he's not performing at a superstar level or anything like that, but what he has done is sort of solidified that third pairing. You know, Hayek got his chances early in the season. Zach Jones got his chances early in the season. Neither one of them truly took the bull by the horns, and, you know, I think Ben Harper's outplayed both of them. There's part of me that would rather see somebody like Zach Jones in there because he's the prospect and he's got the upside, and, you know, maybe you just— go through some growing pains with Zach Jones. By that same token, the Rangers want to win games, and uh, Ben Harper, I think, has uh, you know, pretty clearly outplayed the both of them. And you never know what the Rangers are going to do with the deadline. They could still add a defenseman. But for the time being, uh, Ben Harper doing a solid job here. And uh, that had to be very gratifying because he's you know bounced around the league quite a bit and uh, you know, spent some time in the AHL. But to finally you know solidify something of a role for himself with the Rangers and score a goal here, got to be feeling good after that one. And I think the Ranger players were feeling good for him after this one as well. And as I mentioned earlier in the episode, this kind of woke the crowd back up. You know, they hadn't really had a whole lot to cheer for in quite some time. And the Rangers were swarming on the next uh, shift. You had Kako passing to his left to set up Ryan Lindgren. Uh, Lindgren with a shot. Another really nice save by Swayman. How many times have I said that in this episode? But, I mean, that's kind of what it was tonight. That, that's kind of how it went. Uh, the Bruins take an icing with 2.50 remaining in the game. The Rangers call their timeout. They take Igor Shosturkin out of the game for the extra skater. And they go with Miller. Trocek, Panarin, Fox, Mika, and Kreider. And I mentioned at the start of the episode that I was going to throw out a stat that would basically blow your mind here, but let, let's really just kind of appreciate the situation that the Rangers are in here before I reveal what that stat is. So again, there's 250 left. The puck drops. You know, the Rangers, they, they go to work. They're, they're hoping to, you know, get another one back, and, and then you're in business, and, you know, you can search for the equalizer with whatever amount of time is remaining. Um, but, you know, we're getting down to about 140 left in the game, 130, 120, and the Rangers will not shoot the puck. They just keep passing and passing and passing and passing and passing. Uh, I counted. I, I had to rewind to, uh, to know for sure exactly how many passes there were here, but there was a sequence where the Bruins got the puck out of the, uh, out of their own zone into the neutral zone, just slightly into the neutral zone. And the Rangers got it back in in pretty short order there. Once the Rangers got the puck back into the Bruins zone here, and keep in mind, they are down by two goals. There's about a minute and 10 seconds, a minute and 20 seconds, whatever it was, remaining in the game at this point. And this is a stat that's going to blow your mind here. The Rangers had 16 consecutive passes. 16 passes without a shot. Not a single shot. And look, it's especially bad because they were down by two goals in this situation. If they were down by one goal, I still would not agree with that strategy, with that idea of just passing it and passing it and passing it. At least if you're down by one goal, you've got some time to work with, you know, and you're one, you know, really good look at the net away from potentially tying the game. So in that situation, I don't agree with that strategy, but I could at least understand it a little bit. You're trying to make all these passes, open up a shooting lean, uh, give somebody a high percentage scoring opportunity. But in this situation, you're down three to one. You're chasing two goals. You need to put the puck at the net. I mean, you're not going to win many games in this situation down by two goals. Let's just be honest here. You know, when you're down to a minute and 10 or a minute and 20 seconds remaining and you're down by two goals, it's probably not going to be your night. 
but it's possible. It's doable. We have seen teams score two goals in less than a minute 10 or less than a minute 20. We've seen teams, uh, you know, late in games, score two straight goals with not a lot of time remaining to tie the game and, and force it into overtime. So it's unlikely, but it is doable. But it is not doable when all you're doing is passing and passing and passing and passing and passing. And here, here's the even crazier part about that stat. I said there were 16 consecutive passes that the Rangers made without attempting a single shot. The 16th pass got broken up, and the Bruins cleared it out of the zone. Man, I want to know, how many more passes would the Rangers have made before somebody finally decided to put the puck at the net? 20? 25? I mean, would they have gone for 30? Like, I, you're down by two goals. You have to put the puck at the net. Even if it's not, you know, a, a grade-A scoring chance, you know, maybe you get a soft goal, maybe there's a deflection, maybe there's a rebound, something. You cannot be passing like this, making this many passes in a row without even attempting a shot when you are down by two goals. I just had to say my piece on that because, you know, watching it live, I, I realized there were a ton of shots and then I rewound it and I said, okay, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to count how many passes there were, 16 passes, and who knows how many more there would have been uh, had the Bruins not broken up the 16th pass and cleared the zone. But look, there's better days ahead for the Rangers. I don't want to be too hard on them. I don't want to kill them. That was just one thing that I had to do like a little mini rant there. Um, but they were obviously up against an excellent team. Once again, I thought for the most part, the effort was good. There were just a couple of lapses, and bottom line, they just were not at their best, and you must be at your best right now uh, if you're going to beat this Boston Bruins team. Uh, one other thing I want to mention here before we call it a day is that the uh, Rangers right now are really just not scoring any goals. In their last four games, they have scored only six goals in regulation. Uh, it's obviously a small sample size, but I think it's you know also noteworthy. Uh, the good news is that they've still managed to win two out of those four games, despite obviously being in a scoring drought here. I mean, if you score only six goals in regulation over a four-game span, it's possible you're going 0 for 4, 0 and 4 in that stretch. Uh, they've gone 2 and 2, so they found other ways to get it done. Um, good goaltending play, good defensive play in most of these games, but uh, they got to pick it up. They got to, and, and I don't want more line changes, but they're probably on the way. J just, just buckle up for the next game because I get the feeling uh, whatever we saw in this game, it might look a little bit different for the next one, and we shall see. But, uh, yeah, up next for the Rangers, uh, not going to be back in action until uh, Monday at home against the Florida Panthers at 7 p.m. We might end up doing a crossover episode with Armando Velez of Locked on Panthers. Always a good time talking to Armando. Got to get back in touch with him, and, uh, you know, maybe we can make that happen. But uh, that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.